0: Tua Tagovailoa is getting his shot with the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick, rightfully upset. Helmets off is on. Hey, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, the old host here. The old host here. Yeah, I've I've lived more than a cent or a half a century of life. I'm on the second half of of uh, a century of living uh, right at the beginning of the second half but nonetheless and uh, love what I do love this this show love that you've joined us like us at Facebook at the helmets off podcast Twitter at the helmets off show tune in ask questions whatever you want Uh, I take my helmet off I get into the helmets of other people take them off find out what's ticking in that old noggin of theirs and uh, we have a good time so got a really fun show today of course I'm a Utah alumni. I I do broadcast the games for Utah. So we like to talk a little bit about what's going on there. And, of course, the biggest decision, bigger than the election that's coming up, is who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Utes. Going to talk about that today. Julian Blackman, former Ute, who tore his ACL at the end of November, actually the 1st of December a year ago, is now making waves with the Indianapolis Colts uh, potentially could be the defensive rookie of the year, uh, really having a good year and having some impact on a on a pretty tough Colts team. And then, of course, what in the heck is going on with the Miami Dolphins? Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing out of his mind. He's in the top six quarterbacks in QBR. Uh, that's quarterback rating. And he's also uh, – the team is 3-3, three and and three they're one game out of first place in the AFC East behind the old Buffalo Bills, and uh, Josh Allen is looking like he's immortal, uh, like they're they're susceptible, they're vulnerable, and the Dolphins are really coming on strong. And And to just throw in a rookie, I don't know, crazy thing, but we're going to talk about it today. All right, first, Utah is a couple of weeks away from their first game of the season, which is seven weeks into the college football season. So they're going to have an abbreviated six, seven-game season And, of course, everyone's trying to decide who is going to be the starter for Tyler Huntley. I will tell you that uh, no one knows, but I know. I just know because I just know. And about 99% of the time I'm right, but I will tell you, Utah has already figured out who their starting quarterback is, and uh, they're not going to tell you. And you know what? We should all be okay with that. Under normal circumstances, everybody's like, hey, we gotta know, you know, public information, public university, we have to know. And actually, no, you don't. In fact, it's a good thing. So all you Utah fans, just settle down a little bit, have some patience. We don't want to know who the starting quarterback is because quite frankly, we don't want the University of Arizona to know either. And it's for a couple of reasons. Mainly, Jake Bentley and Cam Rising are very different in their styles. Jake Bentley is a drop-back quarterback. He's a guy that, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's going to stay in the pocket. You're going to expect more down-the-field, traditional types of route combinations. Cam Rising, dual threat. So he's a run threat. So it's something you have to deal with on a defense. Jake Bentley's not going to beat you with his legs, but Cam Rising is, and that's a different philosophy. And if Utah tips their hand on that, then guess what? They're going to know, they meaning Arizona, is going to know, that uh, that we have to prepare for this, and if they don't know, then guess what? They have to prepare for everything, and if you prepare for everything, you have nothing, right? So, so keeping this under wraps is a really, really good strategy at the University of Utah. As much as I want to know, as much as everybody wants to know, uh, let's let's keep it under wraps. The other really, really important aspect of this, is, and is that this team now. Uh, and it's the whole team. It's the coaches. It's all the offensive players. It's all the defensive players. It's everyone on this team knows this is our this is our leader. And this is the person that's going to take us to the promised land. So we've got to um, buy into that this is the right choice. We've got to buy into know we have a shot to win. We're, we've got a chance. And it makes everyone better in that situation. So it's really, really important that the team gets to know this player. All right, so here is my strategy, though. All right. And, and and I'll tell it to the world. Uh, I, I won't tell it to the University of Arizona, but maybe they'll hear this. I don't know that they will or they won't. But if I was Andy Ludwig, and if whomever was my guy, it doesn't matter, Cam Rising, Jake Bentley, whoever it is, if that guy is my guy, then... I want to make sure that he gets out of the gate fast. You don't have the luxury playing seven games. If you're playing for a championship to kind of slowly build a guy into your season, unless you just said, you know what, this is a building year for us. If it's a building year for us, we're probably going to start cam rising. That we're going to take our lumps in this seven game shortened season and gear everything to get ready for next year. If you're really serious about winning a championship, then you simplify the offense to a point where you pick the five, I'm not joking about this, at most eight plays, and I'm talking passing plays. You pick the eight best passing plays that you have, and that's it. You don't need more than eight plays. Trust me, I know this. I promise you I know this. And I'm going to explain why in just a second. You take these eight pl- these eight plays, and you make sure this guy knows them like I mean like the back of his hand. He just knows them. He's just so confident. They're his favorite plays. They work well with all the all the players that you have on this offense. And you execute them and you wear them out. And literally, you could just go. We're going to call play number one, two, three, four, all the way through eight, and just start over again. I'm not kidding. I am so not kidding about this. I was playing with the Detroit Lions. 1995. We have a bye week. Coach brings in a bunch of players, and he says, "You know, how come we're just not reaching our potential offensively? And a lot of the players said, we got too much going on. And you've got to put the ball in our quarterback's hands and let him win games for us. So they changed everything. And we, we simplified our offense, and you can ask any person there, and we had eight plays. And having eight plays on offense, 4,000-yard passing quarterback, 33 touchdowns, uh, two receivers over 1,500 yards, and Barry Sanders uh, rushed for 1,500 yards. Very explosive offense. But what it was, it was just getting the ball in players' hands and letting them make plays. And that's what Utah, if they have a strength on this team, that's what it is. They have depth and experience at the wide receiver position. They've got depth and experience at the tight end position. And at both of these positions, they have playmakers. Um, get the ball in the playmaker's hands. You know, it be interesting to see where Britton Covey is. Uh, Brian Thompson is a playmaker. Uh, Solomon Enos is going to be a playmaker. Uh, Samson Nakua is going to be a playmaker. They've got they've got legitimate guys in there that can really make things happen. And so the quarterback doesn't have to do everything. So just make sure that they're confident plays that they can execute. If they can execute these plays, they have a chance. Now you say, well, but people are going to figure it out. Okay, so then the next week you add just a little bit more, not a lot, maybe a couple of plays. Uh, You change formations, you change whatever. And it may be four weeks before someone dials in to go, oh, yeah, this is what Utah's doing. And by then, guess what? It's too late. Because you're not playing that many games. You're only playing six until you get to the championship. So by the time anyone even figured anything out, it's fine. Because really, the last two games of the year, I mean, it's what? I think it's Oregon State at home and it's uh, at Colorado. Uh, You know, it's not like they're playing these – you know, juggernaut teams in the Pac-12. And so Utah has to start fast. You start fast in your season by simplifying things, get it to the people who really can make plays, and make sure that these quarterbacks are executing at a high level, which gives them confidence. That's what you want in your quarterback is like, I know I can win. I know these plays. I believe in these plays. To Coach Hula, more more wins than anyone ever. What does he do? He says, you call your own plays in practice. I can have all the best plays in the world, and I probably do because I've coached forever, but they're no good unless you know them, unless you believe in them, unless you can execute them. So it makes you learn the offense, and you call plays that you you have confidence are going to work, and it's a brilliant thing. All right, going to take a break. Uh, come back. Julian Blackman. At a key interception, is he, is he a guy who could be rookie of the year? Hey, welcome back to Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell here. Uh, yeah, we're talking right now about Julian Blackman, who was a, a safety at the University of Utah. And he's had a fascinating journey. And I've, I've been able to watch part of it. Really good kid, right? He's a he's a solid citizen. Uh he does things the right way. He was uh he was an all conference performer in the Pac twelve as a as a cornerback. Okay, played corner uh for Utah and did a and he was a good cornerback. And then his his senior year he was switched to free safety. And I'm like, whoo, you know, that's that's gonna be interesting. So the first couple of games, you know, he plays pretty good. And of course, uh Utah's playing Uh, they're playing who do they play Idaho State Northern Illinois and BYU okay nothing against any of these schools but they don't have the speed and talent that Utah's first conference opponent USC had Utah goes to the Coliseum and these receivers with a third string quarterback make Julian Blackman and Utah's secondary look silly I mean Utah looked really bad so here Julian Blackman starts out first three games. They look pretty good defensively. And then all of a sudden here comes USC with legitimate wide receivers. And these safeties and these cornerbacks for Utah were way out of position. And, I, and, and, and they got embarrassed and they got embarrassed with a quarterback who all he could do was just throw the, he's just chucking the ball down the field. That was it. And they just said, go make a play wide receivers. And Utah just was not good at, at um, you know, Playing the football or they or they would have walked away with that football game, so here you have uh, you have this guy making this transition, Julian Blackman, and I'm like, yeah, probably probably not going to be very good and then all of a sudden, from that game forward, Julian Blackman was a different player, and he made plays and he put himself in position, and you could see like the light bulb went on. And, and he was really – he was an integral part of this, this success Utah had on defense. They were one of the top defenses in the country, and rightfully so. A lot of talent, a lot of, lot of really good talent on that football team. Well, uh, Julian Blackman, early on in the Pac-12 championship game, really uh, just kind of hits, uh, hits the grass funny and blows out his Achilles. First part of December, he's out. And in my mind, I'm like, this guy is done. Like, I don't see anybody drafting Julian Blackman just because, yeah, it's a new position for him. He's, uh, you know, he, you know, he's, he's well thought of, but not maybe have some of the notoriety that some of these other defensive players, defensive backs have in the country. And lo and behold, Julian Blackman is drafted by the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm like, wow. Like, I did not see that coming. I, and I didn't see it coming because of the injury. It's just so hard, you know, and, and people take a chance on a, on someone with an injury. But I know with the technology and, and how they do surgeries today, you know, these guys come back and, and it's, not, it's not as dramatic as maybe it was at one point. But nonetheless, very impressive. Very impressive in the fact that he came back. And he got drafted, and now he's playing. and he And he starts, he starts in a season where there's no preseason, where there's no um, off-field activities. So he's just thrown in the NFL as a rookie. And he's making plays right and left. And he has a he has a, a critical critical interception against the Cincinnati Bengals in the last game for the Indianapolis Colts. And they're one game out of first place, and they're they're going to be a competitive team uh this year and 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 so I see this kid, and I see kind of how he's had success, had to make some adjustments to new positions and did and and you look at you look at players like this and you say, "Okay, this guy hasn't reached his ceiling like he's still getting better, he's still improving." He's not making the same mistakes over and over again. You go, this kid has has some ability, and he's a smart player. He's got athletic ability, and he's a guy that can make plays. And that's what's so critical uh, in the NFL. Now, is he, is he the guy who um, um, has had the biggest season so far of all these rookies? I mean, defensively, you could argue, you know, he's probably up there if he, let's just say he continues on this, let's just say he goes through the season and he, and he has five picks on the season strong case to be defensive player of the year, really, because it's all about making plays. And and I wouldn't say he's the, the guy right now. I would say he's in the discussion of being one of the top rookies in the NFL defensively right now, uh, because it, I'm just telling you what, what I've tried to explain to you in this, in kind of giving you a, a little background on him, is that's – it's a remarkable story that he has done what he's done. Uh, to change positions, to have kind of a lot of failure early on, to become – you know, to come into become, becoming a really good player. And then he um, has the injury, but, you know, with no help, no preseason, no nothing, just basically rolls right off the bus onto the field, and he's making plays in the NFL – in the NFL, in a league that is, like, geared for offenses, pretty remarkable. Someone definitely who is noteworthy. Okay, we're going to take one more break, and, of course, we come back. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a happy camper, and I don't blame him. It's his turn with the fourth. Okay, welcome back to Helmets Off, final segment of the day. Uh, in shocking news, when I, when I saw this on on uh, Monday morning after Sunday's NFL games, where Ryan Fitzpatrick was remarkable, Tua Tagovailoa came in late in mop-up duty, and we didn't really do anything special. I mean, this is, this is kind of after a game's over. It's no indication of what he is or who he is and and the the Miami Dolphins are in contention and Ryan Fitzpatrick gets benched for Tua. And my first reaction is probably something similar to this. You got to hear what Ryan Fitzpatrick had to say about getting benched in lieu of Tua Tagovailoa. And my heart just hurt all day. Like it was it was heartbreaking for me. Um you know, and I Flo kind of said what he said and said what he said to you guys as well. And that's the decision and the direction that the organization is going in. And obviously, you know, we've talked in the past, uh, me and you guys, about, you know, how I'm the placeholder. And this eventually was going to happen no matter it, – it was just a matter of kind of when, not if. And uh, it's still just it, – it broke my heart yesterday. And, um, you know, it's a tough – uh, tough thing for, for me to hear and to now have to deal with, but, um, you know, I'm going to do my best with it. Okay. There's a lot in that. There, there's a lot there. And, and there's a, a part of it, that this whole honesty thing, you know, he just, you know, he's crushed about this and he should be crushed about it. And it makes no sense. Uh, and it make you know, it's just, you know, I see this and I go dumb decision. You've got the, you got Miami playing really well which has been hard for them in, in recent years. They've got some momentum going. Why in the world would you ever want to change that momentum? You know, it's it's one of those things where a bird in your hand, Ryan Fitzpatrick, is better than two that are in the bush in Tua Tagovailoa. It's it's just, you know, you go with the hot hand. So what if Drew Bledsoe was your perennial Pro Bowl, first pick of the draft, New England Patriots, you know, Hall of ish type of quarterback, for some unknown late round Tom Brady, why would you do that? And why would you keep him in there after Bledsoe's healthy? Because you're winning. Because the team's doing well. It's kind of simple. Well, um, the Dolphins don't seem to think so. And their <laughs> reasons could be a lot, okay? Uh but let me how i i got to i have to make sure i get this right because i don't i don't want to cuz there's some really really good things that have happened and and i and i hope i can touch on the honesty part with Brian Fitzpatrick but i want to get back to making this decision. So the argument is what i just said don't do it. Dumb decision. You know, the, the NFL is it doesn't matter, you know, what you did in the past or where you were drafted, it matters about winning. Winning is everything in the NFL. If you've got a guy winning Don't rock the boat. You know, Bob Greasy sat on the sidelines and watched Earl Morrill take the Dolphins to an undefeated season until Earl Morrill wasn't the guy anymore. And back came Bob Greasy to finish it off. So, yeah, just, you know, just changing for the sake of changing isn't necessarily a good thing. And then I started to think about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is actually actually not a bad thing. And here's why I don't think it's a bad thing. If you have a rookie quarterback, that you've drafted number five, right? He's the fifth best player in the draft, according to the Miami Dolphins. And you think that highly of him. You want to develop him. You want him to be groomed. You want him to get out there when he's ready to play. And yet, you don't want to throw him in the fire like a Joe Burrow. Or I remember back in the day, Troy Aikman. Tragman went 1-15 in his first year. And, and he got the crap kicked out of him. He was on his backside more than anyone could remember. The, the covers were bare. There was not much talent with the Dallas Cowboys. And he took his lumps. And if you're a coach, wouldn't you be better off if you had a pretty good team? If you, if you had people around him, if you – gave him a legitimate shot to have success early on. Because you, you get in a situation where your team's terrible and you start developing habits or a mindset of like, oh, this is what the NFL's like, like maybe that doesn't you know, maybe you don't ever go away from that. Sam Darnold, you know, is on a bad team with the New York Jets. He's not a bad quarterback, but he doesn't have a lot to work with. And so if the if the Miami Dolphins are actually playing pretty well, it might be a better time to put a young quarterback onto a good team won't hey won't have to feel like he's got to do it all himself he has people that will say hey look you know let me talk you through this let me help you here or and, and he'll he'll get to playing better the last guy the Miami Dolphins did that with was Dan Marino Dan Marino walked into a really 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 good football team and he had an amazing mentor in Don Strzok Don Strzok didn't want to be the starter. I mean, David Woodley was the starter and had led the Dolphins to the Super Bowl, which they lost to the Redskins. But Strzok was amazing to Marino. But it wasn't just Strzok. It was, it was all the great tight ends. It was the Joe Roses. It was the Bruce Hardys. It was, it was uh, Nat Moore. It was all these, these veteran savvy people. Tony Nathan was in the backfield. They had all these these guys that were great pros. And they had a system that fit Dan Marino. So, so it's not such a bad thing to maybe go to a halfway decent team. Now the Dolphins haven't been very good, and they're certainly not the the Dolphins that Marino took over for. But the cupboard isn't bare either. Now, if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick, I love I love what he he, he did about all this. And and if you can compare it to Mitchell Trubisky, where Trubisky so he told the company line, you know, just just trying to help the team out, do the best I can, you know, whatever. Ryan Fitzpatrick was like, man, this hurts. I put my heart and soul in this. I gave everything to this situation, and we're winning. You know, it's one thing. If we haven't won a game, if we stink, and we got a shot. And I'm a good player. And And the fact that he's upset about it is probably a reason why he's been – as uh effective as he has in his career, because he's been a pretty good player, and that is that he's being honest he's being honest about his feelings, about how he feels, about where everything is, whereas a guy like Mitchell trubisky right now is not you know maybe he's in denial, and when you're in denial, then you see things not as they are, but you see them as they as you hoped or hoped they would be, but they, but they're not. And that there's a saying in the NFL, it's called perception is reality. And that's what, that's where things are right now. And, and I love, I love that Ryan Fitzpatrick has taken on this attitude. That he's like, yeah, because it does stink. think, well, it's no fun to be pulled out of a starting position in anything that you do, any job you have any, you know, in sports in all of it, not a fun thing. And to say, you know what, this stinks, it hurts. I'm extremely disappointed. is is probably the healthiest attitude you can have, and you should feel that pain, and you should not be happy about any. So I I applaud him now. And I think I think that will continue to help him succeed, whether he's with the Dolphins or possibly traded. Because if, if I'm if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know where I want to go. I want to go to the Dallas Cowboys. They should try to trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and 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 for multiple reasons, I think the the Cowboys over time will be good. Mike McCarthy, if they give him enough time, they'll they'll be a good organization. Uh, and I'm not convinced that Dak Prescott's coming back anytime soon. Uh, I know it's a horrific injury, and it may be a while before he's back. Or even if he comes back, and how effective he is, I don't know. That's tough to come back from. And so go to a because the Cowboys offensively. Very talented. They got a they, they got weapons offensively, and quite frankly, Andy Dalton should be doing better than he is right now. And that's my two cents on it. As far as Tua goes, I'm I'm not convinced of Tua, but these coaches are around him every day. And they're they have this uh, they they watch. You know, these guys aren't stupid. I mean, you can tell who talent is and who, and who isn't. I think back to a couple of years ago when Andy Reid had Alex Smith, who led him to the AFC championship game was a very good quarterback and was going to continue to be a very good quarterback for Andy Reed, but he saw something in Patrick Mahomes without Patrick Mahomes ever playing. And he bet, you know, his, it really, he bet his future in Kansas city on Patrick Mahomes. He bet his opportunity to go to a super bowl on Patrick Mahomes and he won um, the jackpot. And so Andy Reid saw something that maybe no one else saw. Certainly not the Chicago Bears. They had a chance to, to draft Mahomes before uh, Trubisky. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, maybe the, uh, the Miami Dolphins see something into a – and watch it every single day at practice that we're not seeing. Because I was surprised when Andy Reid brought in Patrick Mahomes and then after watching him play, I was like, wow. Okay, this guy is good. And maybe that's what we're going to get with Tua. Who knows? Remains to be seen. All right, well, one thing I do know is Helmets Off is now off. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, send us any questions or any, anything you want to know. I'm happy to answer it for you. appreciate your um, dialing us up. And until then, we'll catch you soon. Mm-hmm.